Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. Um, today we have a little different format. We're going to have a This Month in EUC um, and have a kind of a roundtable discussion. Before, before we start that, how are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing good, Jerry. I'm doing good. Um, I've been looking forward to getting this podcast going for for some time. Um, I think it's a it's going to be a really valuable resource to our community to have a kind of roundup of the news of the month, so that you know everybody's on the same page, and you know hopefully get a couple of interesting guests on and talk about it. You know, so I'm good, buddy. I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm good as well, and I completely agree. It's nice to have these these uh, discussions about what what's going on, stuff in the news, and, and so forth. So. I'm excited to have this as one of our first ones and excited to have our guest on today as well. Oh, absolutely. So um, on, on the line today, we have Case Baggerman from Natanix. Uh, Hi, everybody. And we have Thomas Brown, uh, our resident uh, VMware expert for today. How are you, Thomas? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, no problem at all. No problem at all. Uh, so without further ado, Jerry, do you want to get stuck in? Yeah, so let's kind of start going into, you know, first things first, let's talk about um, fresh off of VMworld. Let's talk about the EUC announcements that happened there. Cool. Okay. So, I mean, obviously there was there was quite a lot announced. I, I'm actually going to hand over to Thomas, if that's okay, because Thomas was, was fortunate enough to attend VMworld. Uh, Thomas, do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the announcements, uh, particularly around EUC from VMworld? Yeah. So, um, if you guys watch the keynotes, you'll notice that um, there was very little product actually talked about this year at VMworld. Um, there are a few projects which we're uh, you know familiar with, but um, the big one that that they talked about this year was Project A Squared, which is uh, kind of a neat project where um, basically they're taking AirWatch functionality and marrying it to app volumes. So um, sounds a little crazy, but what they're going to do is they're going to use AirWatch to uh, manage Windows 10 devices. Um, so you guys are familiar with people bringing in Surface tablets and things like that that are not on the company's domain. You don't have any control over those. So what do you do? Um, so uh, actually VMware and Microsoft partnered pretty tightly on this to develop the MDM APIs inside of Windows 10 and uh, so that AirWatch can manage this. Um, I was actually told by VMware product management that a lot of the APIs weren't complete and VMware and AirWatch actually jumped in to help uh, help fix that, which is kind of interesting. Um, oh, oh, wow. So we're, like, we're, seeing a, we're seeing a very strong partnership from Microsoft and VMware in that regard. And that's not something that we're used to seeing, really, is it? Right. Um, and, uh, and Microsoft was even on stage at VMworld. I think that's the first time. Uh, so, you know, it was a kind of a, a hug and a pat, pat on the back. And then, as, like, the, the second he left the stage, they started talking about Project A Squared, which, um, you know, in some some areas you could see almost as a com- competitor to SCCM and Intune, uh, depending on how you look at it. So it's kind of interesting. Very interesting. I, I suppose it's going to be down to what infrastructure the customer has in place, if that's fair. I mean, if they have SCCM and they have um, the, the Microsoft stack stood up, then, you know, absolutely Intune would be a good choice. But I mean, if they are a VMware house and they like AirWatch, then, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a good move forward. Uh, the interesting thing about about that solution, though, is, I mean, they're obviously going to have to use VHD for that aren't, or, or some format, because there's no way they're going to be able to attach a VMDK to that, um, to that right. machine. So uh, did, you get, did you get any information on that one? The details on how they're going to get the VHD down to the physical device still seem to be a, be a bit murky. Um, you know, spoke with uh, spoke with some execs around uh, VMware about that, and 
they're still trying to figure out what is the strategy, what is the best strategy for us to do that. Uh, as, as you guys can imagine, that's a pretty complex situation. Yeah, I would agree. And I, you know, I must say this is, you know, most likely the logical step for um, AirWatch or any other mobility vendors is to start looking at the, the desktop side, you know, looking at Windows because especially as you're looking at, you know, bring your own device type stuff and want to get access to corporate resources but not be fully managed by um, the corporate network. Um, it, it's good to see Windows doing this, but we would like to all see this going to Mac as well since playing Macs are out there too in those BYO situations. Thomas, did they did they show the um, uh, the Square Two or the Two Square uh, so far the, the product itself? So they did not show the the app volumes and AirWatch integration. Um, what they did show was actually um, part of what they're calling Project Astro, which is basically their unified management plane that's going to encompass all of their EUC solutions. Um, and so this is kind of um, so Noah Wasmer is kind of running the A squared thing. But then Harry Labana's group, you know, is over app volumes and um, uh, somewhat Project Enzo and things like that, which we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on. But um, so they actually did demo um, Project Astro, which is the unified management plane. And so the, the one video I did see was that um, they showed going into Project Astro and then uh, basically scraping apps from an SCCM repository and pulling them into the solution, which would then be delivered via app volumes. So that was kind of interesting, um, kind of a kind of a shot at SCCM in that regard. And I would say that's good to see VMware doing that also, because, you know, one thing they've knocked other vendors for was the amount of consoles. And with the acquisitions and changes they've made um, into the Horizon stack, you know, they've kind of got to multiple consoles. So it's good to see them come back and say, look, we're going to take some time and consolidate that down so we're not having as many consoles for you to go into going forward. Yeah. Uh, to add to that, I mean, um, having that integration to SCCM and being able to to pull the application from SCCM uh, kind of like put the partnership on edge again. Uh, second thing I wanted to ask is you're talking about the console. We know there's a fling for vSphere, uh, an HTML5 fling. Um, the, um, this console you were talking about, is that HTML5.2 or is it flash based or? You know, I don't know if I've heard anybody, uh, I don't know if I've heard anybody say that. Um, I, I assume it's HTML5. I don't know. Um, one, one specific that I have been told is that it's a full RESTful API. So you can use, uh, so basically that's going to be the centralized, uh, centralized access point for all of API integration and then um, and then going to talk to the different solutions underneath. Okay, so I mean the RESTful API thing would normally be you know very welcome uh, to hear. I mean anything is better than the Flash console of old with, with vSphere. <laughs> but uh, you know the RESTful API also has a bad uh, has a has a bad taste in my mouth after having tested the VMware Access Point recently. Um, the, I know we're kind of moving on to the next announcement, but that Access Point obviously was was announced by VMware and it's kind of replacing the security server out in the DMZ. You know it supports low balancing. It it's no longer a Windows server, so you no longer have customers looking at you in a ghastly manner when you say you have to put a Windows server in the DMZ. Um, but, you know, the RESTful API configuration, I mean, thank God for Sean Massey because I never would have been able to figure out how to, <laughs> how to configure that thing otherwise. Did you Did you have it? Did you, did you have any thoughts on that one? You know, I haven't had a chance to lab that up yet. I saw, you know, you and Sean were working on that quite a bit. I think that's interesting because 
one of the biggest um, one of the biggest arguments against VMware for the longest time has been, um, you know, Citrix has Netscaler as the one place to access everything. All traffic flows through there. Um, but on the VMware side, you've got the security server for Vue, you've got the Mirage uh, gateway, you've got AirWatch, SEG, and MAG. Um, they've got so many different um, access points. And so I think what they're trying to do with this, starting with Vue, of course, is create one uh, one appliance that all traffic flows through there. So I like what they're doing in theory. We'll see if they can execute. Yep, and I agree with that as well because, you know, again, having those Windows servers out there or having multiple pieces out there where with Citrix, you just have the, the Netscaler and it's all consolidated into that. So it, it's good to see them go in that direction as well, especially with, with the Linux appliance to help get some of the security um, or some of the compliance um, from, from different sectors. So. I think yeah. this op opens up the market as well for uh, for federal uh, for for federal in the U.S. being being FET compliant with uh, with the full stack and in, in, instead of having that argument of Windows servers in the entire. Absolutely. So and yeah, this, these features are something we've kind of danced around, but uh, this is part of uh, Horizon Six Two, which was the major product that was announced at VMworld. Is Horizon Six Two is a new new release of VMware Horizon, no longer VMware Horizon View. Um, I believe the official name is Horizon 6, version 6.2, but anyway. Um, but no, they in, in introduced some great new features there. Um, you know, the access point is, is interesting, of course, uh, but the biggest features were around RDSH. Um, you know, we've seen RDSH struggle to be adopted in the field, honestly, because of they were missing some of the features where ZenApp had um, single image management for the ZenApps uh, for the RDSH servers, um, NVIDIA grid support, you know, a lot of things like that. That uh, and also file type associations um, were big things that were added in this release. That I think we're finally going to start seeing RDSH get a little bit of the market share. Oh, they also fixed uh, drive redirection as well. Because remember, Citrix coming out with that that comparison about encrypted and unencrypted. It looks like they, they fixed that issue as well. So that argument was kind of short-lived. <laughs> yep. How politician of you calling Ford a comparison? Good man. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. And, you know, to, to be fair to VMware, I mean, look, they've, they've had their fair, fair share of Ford thrown at Citrix over the years, particularly around the RDS topic, insisting that nobody needs RDS when you, uh, when you have <laughs> VDI. But, I mean, obviously, the, 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 the new and fresh faces in VMware have kind of have kind of changed or, you know, turned, steered that, uh, that boat in that direction. And, you know what, I welcome it. I mean, the RDS golden image management piece is, is key. It's absolutely key. And it's uh, I, I had the opportunity to test it. You know, it works as well as you'd expect with Composer. Um, the the grid support, obviously, you know, for 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 vGPU workloads, fantastic. Um, so yeah, no, I I absolutely welcome that um that transition. One notice, one thing I did notice was um Skype for business integration. Now I mean I know Citrix had been doing some link offloading for for quite some time. Did anybody manage to catch any information on that Skype for business integration? You know, that's that's one feature I haven't looked into just yet, but I assume, I mean, you know, Vue had uh, some of the link offloading as well. Um, I don't really know very many people that used it because it, of course, required a Windows client, which a lot of, I see a lot of, a lot of people going with the zero or thin clients as opposed to a Windows client. But, um, you know, I haven't had a chance to look into that as, as much. Could be a difference in architecture between Citrix and and uh, VMware too. Uh, I I saw a lot of um, um, 
Windows-based clients or Linux-based clients, I think clients that is, uh, where you could offload it, but that's just because Citrix was able to offload a lot of that. Um, yeah. So zero clients were ruled out quite often just because of that offloading. I think VMware has the, has the, has the beautiful ability to put those Teradici chips in the zero clients though as well. So, I mean, it adds a lot more utility to zero clients being able to include those PC over IP chips. Would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, uh, they can uh, they can definitely offload some of that uh, compression or decryption to the client and also uh, cache a bit of that PCIP uh, data there so that they don't have to redraw the entire screen, which is kind of nice. Couldn't agree with you more. Okay, so that's that's VMworld in, in a nutshell. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was good. You know, everything is moving forward. The guys seemed excited. They're 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 keeping the faith, and they're they're you know they're they're really picking up the feature parity, which which is welcome in, in my opinion. Obviously, the the more competitors in this market, the better solutions are going to get. So, yay for VMware from my point of view. Uh, I mean, it, well, quick, sorry, go on. quick, yeah, quick thing on that, Andy. One thing we didn't see there was Project Enzo. Um, I think everybody was a bit confused about that. I, I, I kind of wonder if we're going to see something about that at VMware Barcelona, you know? Oh, that, that was yeah. ab completely absent. I completely agree with you there. I I was very surprised not to see Enzo um, front and center, given that they they stole the limelight from you know on Citrix's big day with with the Enzo announcement, you know, and you know in typical Citrix fashion, obviously they they shot back with their few migration scripts as to the comparison of the two announcements. I'll leave that to the viewers to uh, or the listeners to to decide which one was had a had a better impact. But um, yeah, now it's interesting to see. I do hope uh, I'm going to be in VMworld next month in, in Barcelona, and I hope to see some some. Deep detail on Enzo Emerge. You're going to see something though for Barcelona, so you most likely you probably see it there, I hope. You can't you can't you can't leave everything for the US all the analysis for the US one. You guys have to have something for the European one, so well we're used to it, so don't feel don't don't feel um uh like it's it's something new. I mean looking at Synergy and Summit um uh, which was held so Synergy was held in Barcelona. Um you know or was it Summit? Andy, help me out here. Oh, it was normally Synergy. Us, us Europeans normally got the, the, the second-hand dog food in, yeah. in Barcelona. So we're used to, to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, and you know, not not to talk down synergy uh, Europe at all. I would love to see it return. Uh, obviously, it's gone, but um, please bring it back, Citrix. Us Europeans deserve some love too. Sniff. Uh, anywho, yes, speaking speaking of Citrix, um, Citrix Workspace Cloud was released. Obviously, yeah, we had uh, we had Harsh and uh, Joe on the call with us uh, earlier on in the month uh, in regards to Workspace Cloud. Um, I've had the uh, I've been playing around with it since release. Uh, by playing around with it, I mean in the last couple of days I started playing with it again. And I see share file and desktops and apps is alive and well. Um, it seems really good. You know, I mean, it was good in beta. You know, they ironed out the bugs pretty quickly, and I hope to see some more adoption going forward. I'm still a little confused personally as to what a what a current customer is to do. Uh, you know, when is the when is when are we going to reach tipping point to see some adoption from current customers? But um, yeah, I mean, any thoughts on that case, Darian Thomas? Um, it was good to see that they added PowerShell support um, recently to that. I know that was one of the big things we all gave feedback on during testing. So good to see they did PowerShell support. Um, good to see that out there. Um, you know, today they're mostly targeting new customers, but it's gonna it's interesting to see how they're going to handle existing customers and what that's going to look like. Well, I think they they have the tooling in in place to uh, to do an easy migration with the with the CLM as well, the Citrix lifecycle management. Uh, but but just talking about CWC, I really like the the vision of Citrix having the control plane in the cloud, not having the the um, 
supposedly complex uh, control plane on on premises with all the the installation and and moving parts uh, on your own premises. Um, so I I really like the idea of putting that in into the cloud. But again, I I'm I'm really curious to see uh, see adoption in uh, in in this space. Yeah. Yeah. Here, I mean, uh, I, oh, go ahead, Thomas. I was going to say I'm 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 very excited about workspace cloud. I think it's uh it's really great what Citrix is trying to do with that. Uh, being able to spin up resources in whatever place you want, uh, but also simplifying some of the management of of the solution so i mean you know one of the biggest pot shots from the vmware side is how complex all that citrix stuff is right but um it's going to make it much easier by moving that stuff up into the cloud and i also think it's really interesting that as much as vmware preaches hybrid cloud that citrix was able to deliver that before vmware was particularly considering vmware really have to support less for, in that regards I, I completely applaud what you're saying there and it kind of bridges into into my the next kind of announcement from citrix in regards to their marketing campaign so i absolutely echo what, what you guys have said so far i mean the 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 the, the, the vision and the, the strategy for workspace cloud is is critical you know they consider it a pivot and you know i really hope it's successful I, I do believe personally it will be successful and obviously i mean with project astro as you mentioned thomas uh, you know vmware looking at a similar kind of one control plane to own them all how that is actually executed will you know still remains to be seen hopefully barcelona will tell us more but um yeah it does seem to be the adopted way to go forward um, anywho, so, you know, Citrix, obviously, during VMworld, they decided to launch their Why Only One marketing campaign. You know, the my, my reading of this, of this kind of uh, campaign is, you know, VMware insists from an EUC point of view that, you know, they can only use a single hypervisor uh, in a sense that, you know, if you're provisioning Horizon or Horizon View or Horizon View 6.2 or Horizon something or other 6.2, you're, you're deploying it on top of, on top of you know, uh, vSphere. Whereas Citrix are kind of pointing out that, you know what, you can use pretty much any hypervisor you want uh, in, you know, AWS, Azure, Zen Server, Hyper-V, vSphere, and, you know, Citrix are going all over that place. Uh, any thoughts on that, guys? Um, yeah, so, you know, it makes it easier on the VMware side to only be supporting one hypervisor or the one they own um, from a supportability upgrade, that, that kind of stuff. Um, because when you look at Citrix, you know, yes, it's good to have the choice, but... You're also testing and making sure and supporting multiple hypervisors and making sure the integration and you have the expertise to support that. So it's I can see it on both sides. Well, I just thought it was funny that um, I mean, although it's um, it's a little bit fluffy and um, uh, there's a there's a marketing kind of you know it's it's still marketing. I, I thought it was uh, funny even though even less. I mean, um, or even though. So um, having that why only one and 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 having that like little stir up during VMworld, um, I thought it was a uh, um, was kind of amusing. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, it it it, it was kind of funny walking by the Citrix booth there at VMworld and seeing that splat, splattered all over the booth. I I've got to wonder. I mean, supporting so many different hypervisors, do you think that that's more QA development effort and that effort could be used towards something else? I have to say on that one, I, it, it, one of the issues I have with it is kind of feature parity between hypervisors, as in not all functions and features are available across all platforms. I mean, if you look at AWS and Azure, they're, they're nowhere near close to to uh, the on-premises 
type hypervisors that are available and then even then i mean even little nuances in, that, in machine creation services between how zen server and hyper behave versus vSphere. i mean obviously vSphere has its non-persistent disk that it can it can wipe on restart whereas zen and hyper v actually require you know a machine automated task to do that yeah i mean there there's obvious there's always going to be engineering challenges to that kind of stuff but if Zen Server was as good as vSphere, and this is my argument that I, I have against this marketing campaign, if Citrix were sitting on top of a world-class hypervisor and the hypervisor of choice for most enterprises out there, would they be sending this marketing campaign? As an example, if I buy Horizon View Enterprise, I get vSphere out of box with that licensing model. Tell me why I'd want to use anything else. Is that fair? Well, they can make the same argument, though, saying that if you buy Citrix, you get Zen Server with it. Why would you use anything else? But they still support other other hypervisors. Okay, well, without, without being without being rude or, or obtuse, <laughs> I'm just going to point out there is a massive gap between where Zen Server and vSphere are, if oh, that's I, fair to say. I know there is. I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate there, though. So. <laughs> As they'd say in the courts, asked and answered. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so I mean, then obviously the only the only other things that I did spot throughout that process between kind of between Citrix and VMware was the, the you know the, the the migration script that we kind of touched on earlier on. Carl Webster has done some really good work there in regards to creating a script that you can migrate a Horizon environment to to a Zen desktop environment. Um, haven't had an opportunity to sit down and play with the the the, the PowerShell script that that, um, that Carl wrote. Has anybody actually had a chance to play? I I haven't, but I've seen I've seen the demo, and it's um uh, as far as I could see, it's it's that easy to do the migration. Um, I think Citrix is uh is is advertising with a fifteen minutes migration period, and one thing uh, Carl discovered, which was pretty pretty funny, I didn't I didn't realize, is that you can run um uh on the same desktop, you can run the Citrix VDA and the VMware um. Uh, the VMware equivalent of that to broker it either via uh, Horizon or Zen, Zen Desktop. Nice. Okay, that, that sounds that sounds interesting. Now, I, I mean, to be honest, I was I was a big fan of the VMware fling that that, that that did the opposite. I mean, the the UI was very easy to use. You know, there were a couple of nuances in there that I didn't particularly like. I mean, obviously, going PowerShell creates a much kind of more flexible and and uh, and um, tweakable product, which is good. So, I mean, the, they both have a tool going in each direction. One one with a lot more simplicity. One one a lot more features. So, you know, it's good to see. You know, for friendly banter and all that. My question, though, on both sides, though, is how many customers are migrating from one to the other? I really haven't seen much do that, going one way or the other. Um, maybe for doing quick POCs, that kind of thing, if you're doing, like, kind of bake-offs, possibly. But have you guys seen much, you know, many customers doing the migration one way or the other? Uh, I'll answer it first. Um, I've, I've seen a couple. Um, not not really large deployments, but I've seen um, um, customers moving from Horizon to uh, Zen apps and desktop, and and vice versa. So, I do think it's um, it's a useful tool to have, um, not just because people are using it, but it it could be just marketing, uh, just saying, look, this is migrating to to a from A to B. It's that simple because we have this script for you. Um, it gives people the confidence uh, that they need to uh, to actually make that move and and do the the actual migration. I know, I, I think it's great for for doing you know POCs and and pilots and that kind of stuff in early stages. If you're doing kind of a you know like a bake off or a comparison, um, 
but yeah, it's interesting to see when I actually have some customers that actually want to do uh, a switch from one to the other. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I work for a, a national VAR where we're partners with both, and uh, I see a lot of a lot of customers that you know they have Citrix, they want to look at VMware, but they've got such an investment in Zenap um, that it, it makes it hard because you know RDSH just isn't isn't where it needs to be to fully replace Zenap yet. Um, you know, if, if net new, you know, maybe you could get by with, with RDSH, but um, I see so many customers that like, if it's just Zen desktop versus view, I mean, it's apples and oranges. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty comparable either way, but, um, but as far as the, the Zen app, that's where it gets really tough. And so I, I don't see as many people switching as they, as there is interest. Um, so that's an interesting point to make, obviously, because I mean, Zenapp is such, a, and I, I speak of, of the Zenapp we know and love, 6.5. I mean, it's such a mature and, and stable product at this point that, they, yeah, as you said, there are a lot of customers out there with, with big investment in the product. But I think that is going to heat up in the next year now because, I mean, obviously VMware are, are, are being very aggressive in, in adding features and functionality to that. Also bearing in mind that, you know, Zenapp 6.5 is end of life mid-2008 if you're still paying your software assurance. So 2016-2017 really are the end of your runway before you need to start thinking about what you're going to do. Now, Zenapp 7.6, I'm sorry to say, I don't think it's there yet from a, from a feature point of view. The the the, the, the back end and the, the, the infrastructure is a lot better, but I don't think the features you know, of Zenapp 6.5 really have been justified in, in 7.6 yet. Would that be fair? It, it's fair. Um, each release, they're getting there. Um, there, there's still a, a couple of gaps, but you, we're always seeing that as every incremental release of 7.x comes out, they're kind of closing that gap. So um, I'm doing more deployments now on 7.x than I am with, with 6.5. Most of the customers that that I'm doing 6.5 with are 4.5 customers, um, but for new customers, it, it's usually 7.x version for them. So we, We've got this um, a reoccurring question during GeekSpeak. Uh, during the the Dutch Citrix user group, um, asking people if you f- would feel confident to deploy either Zenap six point five or seven dot x, and the last time we asked was uh, uh, beginning of this year, and I think about ninety ninety five percent feels comfortable deploying Zenap seven dot x instead of six uh, point five, so that shows the um, the growing. Um, confidence in, in the product, but I think one of the one of the key things um, in in uh, the the evolution of six 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 or seven x is um, they released it with a feature gap to six five. They are trying to to fill in the gaps, and at the meanwhile, they're um, they're adding new functionality as well, uh, which which creates a, a certain risk. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the AppDisk uh, um, uh, tech preview right now. It could, it could um, add some additional risk because it's just a change in the infrastructure. What do you guys think? Uh, uh, so, yeah, no, I kind of agree with what you're saying there. Um, I'm uh, AppDisk is AppDisk is one to definitely watch, and obviously that's news this week because I mean a, a, a tech preview was out for that too. I mean, so if for anybody unfamiliar with AppDisk, it's a um, it's an application. Um, a disk layering technology similar to Unidesk, similar to App Volume, similar to Liquidware Labs. Uh, the, these guys who are putting applications in volumes and mounting them to the hypervisor, which is which is an interesting play, which is uh, which is good. Uh, I'm not sure what 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 I 
welcome about the app volumes thing with, with, with the Zen Desktop 7X architecture is that it's a new feature. It's a net new feature that's not being ported backwards and it's a reason to move up. Um, that's what I like about AppDisks. As far as execution and integration, I can't comment yet because I've yet to set it up on my lab. Um, I, I, agree, I agree with that. And, you know, I've been testing it, been on the early tech, tech preview before it became public. And, you know, there's, you know, honestly, I don't have much like to to, to say on it. You know, they're, they're still working on it. Um, I, like I said, I wasn't really tech preview. I just got the newer bits when everyone else got them. So I'm going to test those out. Um, I think they're in the right direction. Um, but, you know, once it's fully baked and actually, you know, production, you know, I'll make a better opinion of it then. And I think that there's some interesting uh, integration that they're trying to do around app DNA. I think uh, that's kind of a competitive advantage they have over the other solutions is that they can also analyze those applications and figure out, is it a good idea to deliver them uh, in a layering technique or, you know, should we do do app V or, or Zen app or whatever. But, um, you know, I think that's, that's kind of interesting and uh, hope that that gets fleshed out um, more than just, architecture right now so yeah i mean that is the key thing that is the key seller really for for app disk at the moment is that app dna dna integration because it's a piece that nobody else has as i mentioned there were a number of vendors already in the space and there was one vendor i forgot to mention that that's um that's fs logics there in that space too but um the you know each vendor has their nuanced differences and nuanced approaches to it uh you know um liquidware labs for argument's sake they, they probably have the highest rate of success with in in, in regards to crazy apps whereas you know um 2015 has really been about this kind of technology and i think we're going to see it hit maturity and kind of wide scale adoption next year so citrix will be right kind of on the on the cusp of that um but yeah the key differentiator time you're dead right is that integration if they pull off that app DNA integration correctly it could be a real differentiator yeah. and as it's a new feature i absolutely request that but anyway i've just realized we, we've been we've been on this topic for a while and as thomas poplegart would say we need more gpu in here so <laughs> <laughs> well in that regards obviously we had a we had an announcement this month that nvidia grid uh, 2.0 you know virtual desktop technology is now available um they've you know doubled their density they've they've changed you know the, the, some of the offerings but one of the biggest offer offering changes they've done is they've actually introduced an, a user account license um prices have yet to be shared uh but it's interesting that you know no longer are you just buying a piece of hardware and then using that piece of hardware to your own density levels you're now going to have to pay for the the royalty of spreading it across users i mean how do we feel about this you know uh, that's that's going to be a tough sell uh for a lot of my customers they had a hard time biting off on the cost of the cards to begin with um so you know having to sell them on a software license above and beyond that is going to be tough but one interesting thing about the announcement is they also had the M6 card, which can fit smaller form factor chassis, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, because that's going to open up um, more use cases on different servers. Um, but I do agree, depending how it's priced, that cost per user license um, could be uh, an obstacle for some companies, also depending on what the cards are going to be priced as well. Um, my my take is is that you know, we'll start seeing this stuff more widespread once they're integrated into the servers uh, that you can buy, you know, same, same, you know, chip on the die type thing. Um, I think that's more, we'll see the graphic stuff go more widespread. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, uh, GPU is, is not something that's heavily adopted or at least that I've seen in my own market over here in, in, in wet old Ireland, but, um, 
it's definitely it's definitely raising interest um so yeah the trying to justify the card as with any project you know you hand over your your best practices design the finance company chops it apart and hands you a you know a a, a beat up old rust bucket and you kind of do your best with what you have left over you know so um yeah you look what the 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 twitter banter in regards to gpu has been flying the last couple of days and i don't want to echo anything that's already been said without thomas um present because he's he's you know he's very vocal and you know to 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 credit to thomas i mean he really is helping kind of move the technology forward because he's such an evangelist and kind of really hassling the vendors into thinking about this and and he's right to too so i don't mean to to give thomas a hard time for for a second you know he is truly an evangelist for this for this market and he's he's the person that i'm currently watching in that regard yep i would second that um so yeah anyway so um, moving on from gpu uh atlantis obviously had a had a bit of an out um uh storage uh presence on the register uh blog this month um they kind of had a blog post up there about you know um the kind of software that's fine data center killer at the price tag that they're entering into um it's uh it was an interesting article you know it was a lot more marketing than 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 play but they did talk about some of the new ssd technologies and how they're going to integrate on that one um you know bully for atlantis you know they they did they did they did well with with ilio um i haven't seen much adoption personally for usx but that may just be my marketing segment um but i i do wish them all the best i mean how has anybody looked at usx with, with serious um with serious intent and how have they gotten on a case um, I'm, I'm immediately <laughs> going to strike your comments off the record in this regard <laughs> uh so yeah i mean you know here in the u.s i don't know about you johnny and i i don't ever run into atlantis um you know i you know do a lot of their competitors but uh i, I don't ever run into them so honestly i don't know a ton about their solution i've ran into it uh, a little bit with with Elio, um prior to usx um i looked at usx a little bit in my lab and i'm looking at some more um, but so far with the customers I've worked with, I haven't, uh, seen it as much. I've seen, uh, mostly other solutions. I mean, when I, sorry, Case, uh, just, uh, just a quick one. I mean, when I, when I do look at the, their, their hyperscale appliance, what I do like about it is it's a, it's a bill of materials from whatever vendor you wish to, to buy from, which is great. Cause I mean, if a customer is locked into a hardware contract with Lenovo or Dell or, or anybody else like that, and Dell has a little more options, I know, Case, calm down. Uh, but, you know, if, if they are locked into that kind of hardware purchasing, uh, model and they don't want to go with the, with the, with the, with the default offering, I think it's, it's clever and it's nice that Atlantis has the ability to stretch across those. And obviously, you know, a box chop full of ssd is also going to be a it's going to be a win with any desktop uh, virtualization project but i'm going to hand over to our resident nathanix uh, employee and see what he thinks about it <laughs> <laughs> well with um uh with a hyperscale announcement we're seeing we're seeing them um in some accounts but um without um punching down i think uh, they're really focusing on uh, on desktop virtualization and are stepping into a broader scope of uh, of infrastructure right now where um, Nutanix has been has been there for the last six years, and um, I think we made already made the step for for the complete data center for extreme workloads. Um, so in 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 that perspective, um, you know it's um, it's it's good to have a validation of what what we are doing as Nutanix, um, and and again all the best for for the guys in Atl- at Atlantis. I mean the the market shares the market is is big enough. And plus, with them announcing, you know, their appliance not too long ago, it, it's still early, and so I'm sure we'll start seeing more as time goes on. And um, it, it's just, like I said, you validate in the space, and, and it's good to have an option out there, especially with the different hardware models. 
Oh, that's it. I mean, look, like everything else, and like what we've been saying throughout this podcast um, with, with Citrix and VMware, I mean, competition drives innovation, and it really does. So, I mean, any any new players in the market are always welcome to to to, to look at things on a on a, on a on a different um, I from a different angle. I think I think um, I think it was you, case who kind of who kind of hit the nail on the head or hit the hit the challenge as I see it with Atlantis in the sense that they they've been very specific about desktop virtualization. I know they've they've got reference architectures for for data center um, type uh, installations like SQL and Oracle and all that kind of stuff. But I mean that transition is going to be their hardest battle. Uh, and get you know redefining themselves away from that for, as as what I can see. This is just one person's opinion as he watches from the sidelines. But either way, I I wish um the the Atlantis guys, particularly our, our CDP friends, the best of luck with that journey. And um I hope the article is as flattering as the registers article are are beneficial to them. So uh, anyway, look, let's let's move to some uh, some to, to some consumer devices. Obviously, we had uh, we had lots of uh, new announcements from Apple, and all of these kind of things are very close to our hearts because despite working in EUC, we do love our gadgets. Um, you know, we have we have a new uh, we have a new Apple TV, we have a new iPad Pro, we've we've got new phones. Um, I did see an interesting article there about the Apple TV potentially as a as a thin client solution. Did anybody read that one or? Yeah, with with the introduction of the the App Store for uh, for Apple TV, you could you could potentially install the receiver uh, without doing jailbreaks uh, or calling Remco uh, Remco Vina uh, to hack your uh, your uh, your Apple TV. So I I do think it it could be uh, could be an interesting use case. Uh, you know what I think might be great there as well as it, uh, a meeting room solution where you have the Apple TV set up there where you could you could have your go to meeting you could have your um your uh, you know any of the the additional kind of meeting products installed you could also have Citrix receiver and then of course there's AirPlay as well to cast your desktop over to the to the Apple TV so yeah, it's one I'm definitely going to be watching and it's a use case that I'm going to try to use with my accountant to justify me buying my <laughs> Apple TV on ex- on expenses but um it's uh, you know it's it's interesting as well I mean and then of course there's there's I there's iPad Pro um. Apple, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and a ninety-nine dollar pencil. Um, I'm just going to throw it out to the floor. What do we think about this? Um, I it's something they they had to do. I understand, you know, a bigger size form factor, keyboard, pen, that kind of thing. But the I don't know about having to be iOS. You know, it's why haven't they kind of learned and said, okay, let's kind of port OS X over. Um, to the iPad Pro and kind of have a uniform OS because you're you're still missing out some stuff like a mouse. Yes, we can use mouse with a few things, but I don't know. That's just my opinion. They made a sexy looking uh, surface. That's what they did, and I really think the iPad Pro. Um, I, I heard you say that they had to do this. <laughs> I'm not sure why. You know, with um uh with the current. Uh, set up and the current product line they have and ways to connect to screens and, and doing airplay and stuff like that, I really don't see a, a really good use case for the iPad Pro with, with the $99 pencil. I, I do for, for designers because think of how much money that Apple are losing out on when people are going to third-party solutions for, for those pins that they were doing for designers, any kind of graphics, the, those even people taking notes and that kind of stuff for those type of things. So I understand the pen piece of it, and I understand the bigger screen. Um, but yes, they they are kind of taking a um, a step in the surface direction. Um, they just didn't do the OS properly on that device. 
I, I agree with you, Jarring. I mean, I, I use a Surface as my daily driver, and uh, the beauty <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the the beauty of of the Surface is that it's a full blown OS. I can run whatever app I need to. Granted, there aren't really any tablet apps for it to run, so um, I, you know, I think that they should have done something around merging OS X and iOS because uh, I, I don't I don't see the need for a, a bigger iOS uh, iOS form factor. I, I I agree with you. Look, I I, I am a, I'm not a Microsoft Surface fan by any stretch. If if anybody have uh, listened to my tirade on Twitter a couple of years ago with with the with the hassle I had my with my iPad, or sorry my um my Surface Pro two, it was a horrendous experience, and I will never buy a product like that again. Um, but that being said, I still don't think Apple. Would are, are I, I'm not sure what to do. Barking up this tree, we've all heard the the, the you know the quotes from the, the late Steve Jobs in regards to styluses and how you know you've done it wrong if you need one. But even if you go off and you Google what the surf or the the iPad Pro looks like with the keyboard cover, it is horrendous. It 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 it, it just isn't Apple designed at all. It's like a late edition. Somebody glued a keyboard to a to a to a kind of soft touch co- or, um, cover, and it, it it doesn't have the finesse and polish. Uh, I, I'm going to be watching this. I'm really going to be watching this. But just in regards to the comment about uh, designers, somebody made a really good comment uh, on Twitter recently about designers, and they're never going to buy this because you know designers use use pen and paper, and it's it's true. I mean, if uh, my sister, you know, I mean, I think she's brilliant over on carefullydesigned.com. The first thing she'll do. When you're going up to a website mock-up or you're doing a logo mock-up or anything like that, first thing she'll do is she'll open her, her A4 pad and she'll take out her pencils and she'll draw it out. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to see. And then, of course, you've got the iOS operating system as well. I mean, are, are Apple going to stick to this? Are they going to allow people to develop on the platform? I mean, from a development point of view, for people to change their applications to work on iOS with that pen, it's a large development effort when you're not quite sure how committed... Uh, uh, Apple are to it. So I, that, that's I wouldn't say sense. it's a large element effort because you already have third-party ones out there today with applications that work with them. So I can't think that it's going to be that hard for people to have their applications supported by the iPad pin. Um, my other thing, too, is um, it will make a nice um, portal monitor for you for using that Duet application. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, that's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I had a use case that dictated, I mean, look, I, I'm happy with my iPad Pro and a keyboard, or my iPad uh, Air and a keyboard. It, it it works fine. That being said, if 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 it turns out into a, to be a massive success, I'll be surprised. But you know what? Good for them. You know, you know, what Apple should have done though, instead of making that horrendous keyboard they made, just just buy clam case. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Those cases are fantastic. Uh, although um, I, I did, I did witness a, a, an iPad falling out of a clam case one day because he thought he was holding a laptop and I wasn't holding onto the iPad correctly. But aside from that, <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting one. Uh, I got, I got one for my, my mini, and I love it. So a mini with a clam case, interesting. Yep. Inter- you must have tiny fingers. Uh, anywho, so that that that's Apple in a in a nutshell. We're 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 drawn down into our last couple of minutes. So uh, I was going to throw out the Windows Ten alive and well comment. You know, I mean, Windows Ten is obviously out or out and in the wild and being consumed by people now. Um, and I was going to ask how we're getting on, but then I spotted a couple of uh, blog posts by uh, by James Rankin on LinkedIn around kind of enterprise management and some of the absolute 
disasters he's having with with um with Windows 10 out there. It does not look to be baked at all. I mean, the message originally was you know enterprises hold off for a little while, but only only during the week I saw Windows 10 is enterprise ready in a, in one of Microsoft's marketing campaign emails. I mean, are we seeing much of Windows 8 adoption or Windows 10 adoption out there? You know, I think it's uh, for personal devices. I think it's it's fantastic. I mean, but uh, but to your point, in the enterprise, it's it's not ready. I mean, it it took them you know several weeks in order to get the the remote management tools. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that they're that aren't ready for the enterprise, and I don't think we're going to see customers looking to upgrade anytime soon because unfortunately, some of them just recently got to Windows Seven. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I think you know it's good for customers that are looking to move on from Windows Seven to just go right from seven to ten. Um, but most right now, it's it's consumer play or BYO play. Um, I think the reports were that they were the adoption rate was like very high in a, in a short period of time to Windows Ten. Um, taking that model they did with it, I, I think was a good idea. I just think that enterprises will be slower to adopt to it. I haven't seen much yet in the customers I work with. Um, some are starting to plan for it, but they haven't even gone that far yet. Have you heard a lot of comments about the um, the way Microsoft is gathering information um, uh, with their uh, Windows 10 seating? I saw a lot of lot of Twitter uh, comments about that, so I was wondering if 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 you heard any customers talking about it. It, it kind of varies, though, doesn't it? I mean, those in the tinfoil hats will always highlight these kind of <laughs> these kind of things as as data gathering. Personally, I just accept accepted anything I put on my laptop, the internet, phone, or anything else is is safe to be put up on a billboard. Otherwise, I don't put it there in the first place. Um, but yeah, no, it's it. There does seem to be a lot more data gathering in Windows 10. It is assigned at the times. Our phones are doing it. Our iPads are doing it. Everything's doing it. Um, but I suppose from an enterprise point of view on, on that point case, uh, some enterprises may be far less kind of forgiving and embracing of those uh, of those data gathering tools than, than maybe a consumer would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think a lot of people are kind of con- concerned about that, but I'm not sure that they really need to be. But I do think Microsoft should do a better uh, a, a better point of coming out and saying this is what we are collecting, this is what we're not. If it's going to be the enterprise version, then they need to come out and say exactly what they're doing, um, if they are doing anything at all. I would definitely agree with that. I'd echo that. That's yeah. a really good point. So, anywho, um, as we move on, um, Citrix and uh, Nutanix had a uh, had a webinar yesterday. Personally, I missed it. Sadly, sorry, case. But um, would you like to tell us a little bit about what was going on between Citrix and Nutanix? Sure. Um, as you probably have noticed, uh, we we announced um, uh, Citrix readiness for Acropolis Hypervisor the twelfth, August the twelfth, um, and we had a webinar together with um, um, Sushin. Uh, Sushin is uh, one of our senior product managers uh, within Nutanix, uh, being a moderator, and Christian Riley, uh, who's um, amongst other things CTO of uh, of Citrix. Um, so we had a we had a webinar. We talked about um, Citrix, about Nutanix, and about the joint effort uh, we're putting in to uh, get support for Acropolis Hypervisor within Zen Desktop and Zen App. Um, and it was uh, it was fun to do. I mean, uh, Christian is a really cool guy. Um, I, I need to uh, to address uh, all the, the the hard work Paul Murray did. 
uh, because um, he did a lot of work in the background answering questions and uh, it was very interactive, very, uh, very fun to do. And um, uh, there will be a recording available uh, in a few days. Very good. Okay, so Citrix are letting you play with their ball, but are you are you playing with Citrix's ball? When when can we expect Sand Server? <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to comment on that. Okay, that's fine. Sorry to drop. <laughs> sorry to drop the low ball. And now it's great to see Citrix embracing another hypervisor. Very excited about the Acropolis hypervisor. It's great to have choice, particularly when you know it's it's built on on such a such a great platform like Lutanix. So, um, apologies for missing the the, the webinar. But when the when is when this uh, podcast goes live, I'll ensure to to provide a link to you know a recording if available, so that the guys can listen back. It's a great move. Both both uh, both parties will benefit from this. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think um, we we um, we add to each other in, in terms of um, reducing complexity in your infrastructure and Citrix being the the named named leader in the VDI space by Forrester this week. So uh, um, I th- I definitely think it's a, it's a good play for both of us. Couldn't agree more. Anywho, so yeah, just today in the news, um, Citrix and uh, Citrix put on its poshest dress and has gone speed dating by the look of us trying to find a buyer. Um, somebody leaks that Citrix may have been talking to Dell about potentially buying the company outright. Uh, I can only assume that this has come on the back of you know um, of the Elliot. Uh, uh, harassment or <laughs> harassment <laughs> is a strong word but you know the 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 letter from Elliot now Elliot having a having a board member um from what i could read it seemed to be something to do with um Citrix not wanting to to divide and conquer from a product point of view and more wanting to keep everything together do we have any thoughts on this um if my kind of thoughts are if Dell that's going to make some kind of ripple with what they do with the workspace since they already have that um would they take those two products if they did make this buy and take the best of both? Would one get thrown to the wayside? You know, that kind of thing. Um, as far as breaking them up, because the rumors did say they wanted to be kind of sold as a whole before breaking up, um, I could see some things broken off um, and kind of go back to the core of just desktops, um, apps, and mobility, um, and, and Netscaler, and kind of seeing um, everything else kind of get piecemealed that way. Um, but that's just my thinking right now. But isn't yeah. it a weird move to uh, to look to be sold as a whole? Well, Elliot was very clear on uh, chopping it up and and um, um, like like selling it in, in bits of pieces and going back to the core. So it's it's kind of contradiction to what Elliot is uh, is is proposing. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think there definitely is some fat that could be trimmed there. I mean, you know. Some of the odd acquisitions, like Grasshopper, for example. I mean, you know, where where is that going to land? Uh, I know that's the forefront of everybody's minds. But um, but some of the things like uh, like selling off Netscaler. That's one of the rumors. You know, that they're wanting to uh, push Netscaler out to its own business. That concerns me because there's there's so many uh, there's so much integration there with Netscaler. Citrix has been preaching that as you know that's their competitive advantage is they have the one access point and uh everything flows through there so if 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 they do some of that i think it could hurt their brand quite a bit yeah and the only thing i could see is if that were working if they sold off netscaler if they were able to keep some of the technology or license some of the technology and have some of the core pieces of it for fronting things like zen apps and desktop zen mobile and share file 
um, maybe keep a subset of features in a in a lower end of appliance type thing. Um, that way, they still have that that functionality and all the advanced stuff they don't have anymore. That's the only way I can see them selling off Netscaler separately working. Um, you know, of course, you know we could see the GoTo line of products. You know, GoToMeeting, all those things, Podio, Grasshopper, um, etc. Kind of go. Um, but as far as you know, them trying to sell things off before and now trying to sell it as a whole, maybe the circumstances have changed or the direction have changed in the past couple of months. You know, we don't know what's going on behind those those closed doors. So maybe they see more value together than broken up. Um, you know, I could see Oct- Octoblue being an odd man out, but with the vision they have with the, the future workspace, I think that needs to stay with the core as well. So it's going to be an interesting time of this coming up for Citrix, you know, it, it's kind of sad to see this kind of happen with, you know, them having the big market leader in the space for years, um, losing their way a little bit, kind of refocusing, and then you start seeing this happen. So it's definitely an interesting time. Um, hopefully the, the core stuff does stay, stay together, maybe at some company or under someone else, but definitely an interesting time to see what happens. I agree, Jay. I mean, it, 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 you know, Citrix is always, always going to be very close to my heart. I mean, I cut my teeth on Citrix. I've I've worked with them for the last twelve years. It's a it's a product and and um and you know company that I've both you know loved and hated at the same time as as times were good and times were bad. Um, the the refocus that they did for Synergy this year, I thought was was astounding. Um, everything was moving in the right direction. They were bringing products together. Their their IoT play with with workspace. Um. Hub was interesting, you know. I, I, I'd, I'd hate to see them acquired by a company like Dell, or you know, for two reasons. First of all, you know, um, I, I'd hate to see V Workspace uh, go the way of VDI in a box because uh, I think it's a, it's a good product on its own. Um, and secondly, you know, I, I just, I just, I'd, I'd love for people to give Citrix maybe a year to to see if you know the turbulent times pass and move forward from that. But I mean, worst case scenario, if they were to get if they were to get sold, I'd say, I'd see I'd love to see them sold as a as a whole as opposed to an in bits. That's that's just me. Yep, I do as well. I totally agree. Okie dokie. So, look, I mean, with that in mind, um, we're we're reaching our we're reaching our quota, uh, or reaching our, our our end of time. Um, Thomas and uh, Case, thank you for joining us uh, on our inaugural um, this month in the UC. Um, to our sponsors, uh, FS Logics, Controlup, and Liquidware Labs. Thank you guys so much for being awesome and letting us do what we do. Um, oh, in case, just one thing. Um, there is a virtual expo coming up. Uh, it's a new type of conference. Um, Zenapp training is uh, Zenapp Blog is is leading the charge on this. If you see it, uh, do register for it. I'll make sure to put a link on the website. Um, we have to support these kind of initiatives, and you know. The, Eric, the guy behind it, is also awesome. So have a, have a, have a look at that. So uh, without further ado, uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. And I'm going to hand back over to Jarian for closeout. Yep. So thank you, uh, Thomas and Case, for joining us today on this inaugural um, This Month at EUC. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. And we'll talk to you next time.